Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This bright, wonderful morning with the snow coming down. It's beautiful. looks great if you can be inside looking on the outside. But driving here an hour ago, I saw a couple accidents already on 495, so be very, very careful out there. A lot of people just don't know how to drive in snow. But what we're going to talk to you about this morning is saving money. If you are a church or a school or a nonprofit, there is a new co-op in Washington metropolitan area called the Community Purchasing Alliance. And they've come together. They started maybe three years ago with an idea of how to get churches to save money on the things that they buy. And if you recall, if you've listened to me before, a co-op, it can be any business that you can think of, uh, can be a cooperative. Uh, the co-ops uh, form, there's about four basic ones, but there's all kinds of different co-ops that can come together. So it's a group of people to come together if they want to own a business. They could be a, if the workers, uh, employees own it, it could be called a worker cooperative. If the people that buy the products and services of a business, it is called a consumer cooperative and housing co-ops and credit unions are examples of consumer uh, cooperatives. The members own the credit union and they can become on the board of directors and manage and control it. So the other two types uh, is if people come together, a lot of farmers will come together to market their pro uh, products together. They grow their products and they come together so they can get to different markets and have a volume of products so they can get a better price. And also people will come together, farmers do this, and this group of people, churches and schools, came together so that they could buy products together, purchasing co-ops. Farmers would do that. They'll come together and they'll say, okay, we need seed, we need gasoline, we need fertilizer, and they look at the things that they need, and then when they buy it in bulk, they can get a better price. The same thing for co-ops like Ace Hardware. They are independent-owned hardware stores, but in order to compete against Home Depot and other larger box stores, they come together and they buy their products together so that they can get a better price and also compete. So here we have a co-op called Community Purchasing Alliance, and I had the pleasure of going to their annual meeting last Wednesday, a week ago. So in, in that meeting, there was maybe 60, 80 people in the audience, and they were talking about the experience of their first year being incorporated, being a business. They've been around, it, like I said, maybe three years, a couple years in the making, getting the idea, seeing how it would work, how to come together. And now they formed this co-op, and so the churches have saved on average about $12,500 buying things like electricity, gas, getting their trash picked up, landscaping. They have a deal with Ace Hardware so they can buy their cleaning supplies and other supplies like today they need uh, salt. 
And so the Ace Hardware bought a large amount of salt for these schools and churches so they could get it at a cheaper price. I did call yesterday, and they were out, at least when I called, because most people are out. Uh, they don't expect snow sometimes this late in the year. So also buying office supplies, uh, payroll services through ADP, copier leasing, and solar panels to get your electricity even further down. You can get your electricity down by sourcing together, getting a, a buying volume of electricity and gas and getting a better price with different because in the district and other places they have allowed uh, the monopoly to not to exist anymore and so you can go out and decide who you want to buy your utilities from. So you get all of these different products and they're looking at even getting more products through the years when they ha they started out with maybe 30 people coming together with an idea and I think I read that they have 120 members right now. I'll look that up to see and maybe somebody can call in and tell me but people are coming together, and they are getting products and services that they get just use every day. Uh, they have 120 buying power of 120 institutions right now. They have over a million dollars in savings. Tremendous savings. And guess what that means? Particularly you know, churches and, and schools and nonprofits are mission-driven mission-driven. They, they have things that they're trying to get accomplished for the community. And right now we're talking about DMV, the metropolitan area, is where this community purchasing allowance is working. And so if they can get their pricing down for products that they normally just everyday buy, everyday purchasing, uh, that they have to have in order to perform their mission, in order to get their mission accomplished, if they can get those prices down like $12,000, then they can take that $12,000 and put it toward their mission so they can get more accomplished. It's just fascinating what one can do. And then um, at, at, this, at the end of the uh, annual meeting last week, I was talking to a lady. I really wish I knew her name. But she said, you know, what's so great is that you can come together and everybody has similar values similar missions and can come together and work together to save money so that they can get their missions accomplished. Fascinating kind of thing of cooperation among people, among organizations. And you know the value of for cooperatives, cooperatives are based on the values of self-help, self-responsibility, democracy, equality, equity, and solidarity. Solidarity from the standpoint of people working together, what making decisions on what's best for the group as opposed to what's best for the individual. In the tradition of the cooperative founders, cooperative members believe in the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for one another. When you talk about churches and synagogues and mass, when they come together, mosque, most of <laughs> If not all of these organizations, and if not every school that I have ever been involved with, have these same types of values. How can we work together in a solidarity fashion, being open and honest and taking care of the community? It, it, it just makes all of the sense in the world. And this is what that lady was explaining to me, is that the values of cooperatives really mashes with the values of these churches and these schools and they get a chance to save money, buying what they need, 
and saving money. The other interesting piece of this, and they highlighted it at their annual meeting, is that now you have a a staff. It's only a staff of two right now. I think it will grow as they are more and more successful. But they get better prices, which we've talked about. The staff does the research. They they end up negotiating and vetting with the vendors, okay, to get this better price, to get a bet as good as, if not a better product. And they the staff gets the expertise and best practices is what these individual uh, schools and churches can can get. Churches synagogues, mosques, these different institutions, faith-based institutions. Let me say that instead of just churches. So you also have better service when you have more and more people. So you have a vendor now, and it's sort of like, why would the vendor give a better price? Well, they don't have to do the marketing. The co-op is bringing the vendor customers. So they don't have to do the marketing. And then the customers are better sophisticated because they know what they are going to get because the staff will tell them, here's what you can expect from this vendor. And the vendor is already doing those things. It just makes for a better relationship. The vendors satisfy because they get more and more customers. Even if it's at a better price, they make it up in volume. They don't make as much on each individual deal, but they make it up in the volume. It's a win, 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 win for our community, win for the faith-based community or the school or the nonprofit. It's a win for the vendor. And you keep the money in the neighborhood because these vendors are from right here also. And I've already talked about the, the benefit of support, the common interests and values of all of these uh, institutions, faith-based and schools. I'm just excited about this Community Purchasing Alliance this new cooperative in the DMV. So that's why we're talking about it today. And if you have any questions or if you have any comments that you would like to uh, make, you can dial 1-800-450-7876. And the National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program to give you information so that you can either start a cooperative or if you are faith-based, nonprofit, or school, a particular private school or a public charter school, you could get a hold to the Community Purchasing Alliance to get some of these same benefits, lower price, better product, somebody else negotiating the contract for you. They have two young lawyers there that would both negotiate if you have a trash collection, a waste collection contract. They can look at your contract for you see what's in it, and sometimes there are some hidden clauses. As a property manager, I've had to deal with some uh, contracts of, of different trash, and sometimes they'll have clauses like if you don't give them a 90-day notice of when you're going to cancel their contract, then it automatically uh, rolls over for one, two, three years. So you've got to know what's in your contract uh, to know when is best for you to cancel it so you can get a better contract and uh, – perhaps even better service. So co-ops are, like I said, it can be any kind of co-op you, you, that you want to, that you can talk about, any business that you can talk about can be a cooperative. Uh, it's exciting. It's fascinating to both save money, get the products. And as a property manager, I have looked into getting their 
co-op, uh, their leasing of their copiers, and also for a couple buildings and looking at the possibility of doing some solar panels. Uh, so if you are a housing cooperative, particularly if you're affordable housing co-op, you may want to look at this community purchasing alliance. If you are a public or private school, look at it to see how you can make savings and or a faith-based institution. So we've talked a lot about the principles before, and we will we'll talk more about that. But a co-op is something, uh, it's an organization where the members own the cooperative and they control it. And that's, that is what is very, very, very critical. Again, uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can call in at 1-800-450-7876. I would love to entertain any thoughts that you might have about this. And we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back to talk more about community purchasing alliance and cooperatives and the benefits of these, this, these cooperatives to our community. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. 1450 WOL. Information is power. That's WOL's motto, and that is absolutely, totally correct. And we're trying to give you the information that you might need to have the power to, as I saw a sign at Greenbelt Homes, which is a cooperative in Greenbelt, Maryland, it said that cooperatives gives people the tools that they need to control their destiny. The tools is nothing but education, getting knowledge so you can control your destiny, getting knowledge so you would have power so that other people are not controlling your destiny. So a definition of a cooperative, any business that you can think of can be a cooperative. The values we've talked about, the principles of cooperative. The principles of cooperative, the first one is volunteer and open membership. And I, I like co-ops when I first found out about that because being an African-American, being black in America, you find a lot of times that businesses were not, were not open to us. They would discriminate. Even uh, after slavery, Jim Crow periods, we could not even get housing. The FHA would not make loans to, which I found out it was a co-op built in 1944. They could not get a uh, a co-op housing co-op in 1944, it they would not allow, FHA would not allow African Americans to join. So co-ops are open, and this community purchasing alliance is open to everybody. And right now we have Mary Lee on the phone. Good morning, Mary Lee. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and how are you today? I'm I'm doing just great on this sunny. <laughs> snowy day. I know the sun's up. I, don't, I haven't seen it, but it's up. <laughs> Watching the snow come down here, too. <laughs> so, Marilee, what, what church are you with? I'm with uh, Christ Lutheran Church. We're at 16th and Gallatin Streets, Northwest in D.C. We're at a relatively small church. We have oh, 100-some members, and usually on a Sunday we'll have between 80 or 100 people worshiping. Mm-hmm. A very committed, diverse Christian organization, and um, we have great expertise in our congregation in many, many areas. But as president of our church council this last year, I realized that I was having to sign off on contracts in areas which I had no expertise, nor did we have anyone in our congregation that had that level of knowledge and 
you know, ability to read a contract and understand what we are committing to, which is the reason that we ended up uh, happily participating in the Community Purchasing Alliance. So, so you joined to get the expertise that I talked about earlier that the staff brings. The staff yeah. that they have is two people, but they also have a couple of lawyers that work with, with the staff to help out with these contracts. Yeah, that's true. And the interesting thing, Vernon, is that there's expertise in the membership. So, for example, some of the very large churches that are members have a, a very skilled building administrator or facilities um, manager on their staff that we as a smaller organization can tap into. And they're so, every member is so willing to share their own expertise when a question or a problem or a concern arises. So while we absolutely love the staff of the CPA, what really gives it even more impact and reach, if you will, is the fact that there's expertise in the other members of the co-op. That uh, that share and they are willing to share with all you know among all of us. One of the things I've found out in this co-op, my cooperative experience, which has only been about twenty years now, is that every time I go to a conference or like the annual meeting of Community Purchasing Alliance uh, last oh. week, with how how warm people are to each other, but how how people easily pass the knowledge pass the information on from one person to another. It's not like people will hold the knowledge back like I've got something and we're competing. It is we've got information and we want to share it. We want to see you successful. So, yeah, I, I, that, that's excellent. Now, what about your, your small congregation? What about your savings? Have you been able to calculate your savings? Yes, we certainly have. And uh, it started out when, well, let me just give you a couple of examples okay. of the kinds of savings. We've just been participating now uh, as members maybe for about five or six months. But what was very helpful for us was a kind of easy on-ramp to participation in which the Community Purchasing Alliance invited us to participate in an RFP for, uh, for a contract for um, electrical power and natural gas. And believe me, that was a great example of a contract where I felt very intimidated as president of a council to be committing our our congregation to a contract that I had very little expertise or knowledge or understanding of, you know, what would be a, a good rate for kilowatt hours and how shall I be looking for aspects of, of renewable energy that would be folded into the contract. So without any upfront commitment on our part, we were able to sign on to the RFP as one of many churches that were, were at that point going together to present this RFP for, for uh, electrical and gas. And uh, and that, that shared expertise I, I mentioned earlier and the lawyers who are involved in the staff were able to really scrub the contract that, uh, that or the RFP rather, that we put forward. And then with the contract that came back or the offers that came back from several electric companies were weighed against one another, both for the term of the contract for the kilowatt hours, for the commitment that we would be making. And then individually, we were able to say, does this work for us or not? So even though we were part of the RFP, we were not committed at the front end to necessarily signing anything until we were satisfied. And we were satisfied both with the shared expertise and then ultimately with the rate that, uh, that we committed to. So for us, being part of a bigger volume of purchasing power was really very helpful. 
And have you been able to figure out any savings yet? We know what we, we know we're pay, paying a lower kilowatt rate. And so, you know, it's always a little difficult on that kind of thing, on power usage to, uh, you know, track because of uh, differences in weather year by year. But we are confident we have a lower kilowatt hour rate. Let me give you another example. You were, were referencing earlier from the trash and recycling contract. Mm-hmm. Well, that was another that was another opportunity for us, and we actually are saving money. It may not sound like a lot of money to a large organization, but for us, it's significant. And I'll, I'll tell you the story. We had been with one trash on and recycling vendor for some time, the staff and the voluntary the volunteer members who were overseeing this arrangement were not happy. And so they uh, had gone out and we had signed up with a new vendor who was really providing excellent service for us. And so when I heard that there was an RFP that we could participate in for looking at our trash and recycling services, I had a lot of kind of qualms expressed Mm -hmm. by both uh, members of our church and by the office staff who said, look, we're really happy with our current vendor, and unless we can really save money, we would rather not even, you know, think about about this, (laughs) right? So I said, look, there's no commitment. We'll throw our name and our our usage into the RFP, and we'll see what comes out. Mm -hmm. And what actually happened is that we ended up with the very same vendor on Mm -hmm. a new contract with the exact same service, and I'm confident now that this is a vendor that provides excellent service because we had already been using them, mm-hmm. and we are saving $1,200 a year for the exact same service. Now, for our small congregation, $1,200 is a piece of change. That's got to come out of someone's own giving. You know, members give to the church, and it's every offering place every Sunday. So that $1,200 really means something to us. That is money, as you mentioned earlier, that can be redirected to supporting the mission as opposed to paying for the service at a higher rate that, and as opposed to the, the lower rate that we're now enjoying. You see, the amount of money doesn't really make a big difference. You've got a congregation of a little over 100 people. $1,200 mm-hmm. is significant. It's, it's, it uh, is. And, and what I, when in reading the community purchase and allowance, it said that the smaller churches on average save $7,000 a year. And with five services, if they picked out five services. So you're, you, you've talked about a couple. So you had a lower kilowatt right. hours on, in, on electricity and $1,200 a year lower with trash with the same vendor, which is also interesting. You got a vendor that you really like and uh, yeah. same vendor. And a larger church, they're saying, could save as much as $28,000 or save as much as $28,000 per year on average. And I yes, know a, exactly. a, a lot of ministries that would love to have portion, if not all of that $28,000 to do their work. <laughs> That's, so. right. That's right. And, and on top of that, you know, we've got our discounted um, arrangement with Staples and Office Max, Ace Hardware, as you mentioned. We've got those resources. We've got a, uh, with Ace Hardware, the, the local-owned, you know, brand of stores, and they're so willing to help and step up. and. Uh, and give us access to products that they may not even stock right in the store, but they say, no problem. We've got a huge catalog of access to products and, and you know, the needs that any facility is going to see, from whether it's anything from paper to um, ice melt, as you mentioned, to any of the cleaning products and supplies. So we're just really thrilled. It's, again, it's early for us to say how much are we saving on those uh, particular arrangements, 
But we're happy to know that, first of all, they are guaranteed lower rates and we have access to products that we, if we're going to walk into a large box uh, hardware store, we might or might not be able to, A, save any money, or B, get the products that we need at the time that we need it. With um, Marilee, we have to take a break. Can I get you to hold on, stay on? Because I've got a few other questions I'd like to sure talk, ask you. Okay, so Glad to. one is I had a, a, a senior moment, so I cannot remember Gina, uh, the president of Ace Hardware, Gina yes. Schaefer. Okay, it came to me, <laughs> who spoke that night, who's very gracious and fits in with this cooperation among cooperatives, which is the sixth principle. So we're going to take a, a break, and we'll be right back. I have a few more questions for you. Thank you so very much for calling in, and we will be right back. 1450 WOL. One of the things that WOL and I agree with is that inf um, information is power. There was a gentleman on the program from Senegal named Papa Sin, and he said that, you know, in order to get the power, you have to put action to the information. Just getting information by itself does not give you the power, but putting action to it gives you the power. And so we're giving you the power to either start a cooperative or join a cooperative, whether it's the Community Purchasing Alliance or a credit union or a housing cooperative, so that you can get the information that you need to control your own destiny. And in the Community Purchasing Alliance, when they save, when the members save money, whether it's $1,200 on a trash collection or savings on kilowatt hours for electricity, then they will have money to put toward their missions. And the missions, a lot of times, is helping those that are less fortunate. Is the mission or getting folks the education that they need. So they'll have more money to do this so that our community at large, the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area is large, at large is better off and the United States is better off, and therefore the world is better off. So this Community Purchasing Alliance, every little bit of thing that we do, it just goes out. It goes out, what they do. And Marilee is from the Christ Lutheran Church, which is a small church in northwest D.C. that joined their saving money. Now, what I wanted to get back to you, you said that you were not even a member, and they helped you to be to to join in on a couple RFPs. Correct. So they made it easy for you to get information to decide. Now, did you become a member? Yes, we have. And, in fact, it was quite an easy sell then. I mean, as you can imagine, when our stewardship committee or our church council sits around and, and decides on a brand-new expenditure like a membership in a co-op, there will be questions around the table because every dollar in our budget is already allocated to something really important. And uh, so so when it was time to join the co-op, um, we could already look at the fact that we had saved $1,200 just on that one piece, on that one contract, so that the fee to join the co-op was a very easy commitment because by then we saw, look, we've saved this much just on this one small thing, and we have this opportunity to enjoy the power of volume purchasing where in the past we would never, or on our own, we would never be able to have that kind of purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And so the, the third principle for, for cooperatives is members' economic participation. So for your church, what was, you, what was your buy-in? What was your member investment? 
Okay, well, as I understand the membership fees for the CPA, uh, for, the, for the co-op, they're based on an institution's annual budget. And so we look at our budget, what is our total revenue and expense budget of the year, and then the fee is based on that on a sliding scale. So our commitment is $750, and then it, subsequent years it actually goes down. It becomes a lo much lower rate, at least for, as I understand it, the next couple of years we'll all, we will only be paying $100 for our membership fee. And as the co-op grows and starts churning even more dollars in savings, there will be a rebate back to individual members, and that's something to look forward to. Where else can you not only... You know, you save money going forward, but look forward to the fact that down the line there will be a rebate back. So we're very, you know, happy with the with the whole concept of the co-op. It's terrific for us. You know, in this third principle of members' economic participation, it goes both ways. In your case, you have a budget of less than $400,000, so your membership yeah. fee is $750, and that's a one-time yeah. fee. And then after that, for anybody that has a budget of less than 750000 a year, which you would fall into, it's $100 mm -hmm. a year. And that's your, your membership participation in going in. As the organization has more money left over at the end of the year after all of the expenses, then the board of directors can decide how much of that will, can go into dividends, and you get a, a, a rebate back based on the amount of usage that you have in the co-op, based on how much you use the co-op and how much goes through the co-op. Now, if you are an organization that has a budget of a million dollars, then your participation would be, your buy-in would be $2,000 a year, and you'd only pay a 2000 buy-in and $200 a year after that. So the most that one would buy in if you have a budget over two and a half, two point four million is $5,000. So it goes the buy-in from seven fifty to $5,000. And then if your budget is over the $2.2 million, you would have a, a ongoing of $500 per year after the buy-in. So it's like you, you've, for your $750 for your buy-in, you've just made more than that on one deal of trash collection. It's $1,200, yeah, and then exactly. you get others. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it was such an easy commitment on uh, on the part of our church council to say, of course, look, we've already saved more than our initiation amount. And, of course, we're going to go on and continue to enjoy it. Copier contract is another one. Um, you know, one, uh, you know, in a way you look back and you say, well, too bad we didn't know what we know now. When we signed a new copier, uh, a new contract for our copy office copy machine about a year and a half ago, and since then we found out that we could go in again on copier contracts with the CPA and substantially lower the use of the copy machine and for the use, you know, the usage rate that we that we would have to um, endure during the course of the year. So we're very excited to see that as an opportunity yet to be enjoyed. Maybe about three years down the road, the uh, vendor who is who's servicing and providing copy machines said that they would look at our contract and decide if they could actually buy out the remainder of it hmm. and uh, then get us back into an RFP for um, a much lower rate. Fantastic. Early, thank you for coming on. We have somebody else on the line. And I, yeah, well, you're no. so welcome. And, Vernon, okay. I would just suggest before you sign up, be sure to let people know how they can get more information at uh, www.cta.cc. 
C-O-O-P for co-op. Okay. I mean, that's good information. And we're, I know that, that uh, every member of the Community Purchasing Alliance is thrilled to add yet more churches, institutions, faith-based uh, organizations to our group. Uh, thanks again for everything uh, and sharing this information, Vernon. Well, the other person dropped, so if there's anything else you would like to say, <laughs> because uh, I was going to have this Community Purchasing Alliance and www.cpa.coop, and CPA is for Community Purchasing Alliance. And you can get the executive director, Felipe, uh, at Felipe, F-E-L-I-P-E, at cpa.coop. And he would be glad to answer your questions or send you to different members if if you have questions or if you want to talk to people like Marilee. Anything else you want to share? Yeah, let me tell you one little story just about that shared expertise within the group. A couple of weeks ago, our uh, church fire alarm system suddenly encountered a problem, and that is we had, I don't know if you have ever heard of, you personally have, but people on the air may not have heard of an enunciator panel. But the enunciator panel in a fire alarm system is the panel that, in case of a fire or a fire emergency, would let the firemen know where in the building the problem was occurring. So they would save time and go straight to the source of any kind of smoke or fire. Well, we our, our panel started beeping, endlessly beeping, and that meant it had failed. And so we got in the company that, that installed the system, and it turned out that we did not uh, really somehow in our small group overlooked the fact that we might want to have a maintenance agreement on the enunciator, on the whole system, and certainly on the enunciator panel. And so investing in repairing the enunciator panel was going to be a substantial sum. And the company that installed said, but you could get the maintenance contract, and, you know, that will cover this current expense. Hmm. And uh, then you will, you will have maintenance uh, going forward. So that sounded good to me. That sounded good to all of us, except that, again, here we're facing a contract that we had no in-house expertise to review and know whether the rate we were getting was a good one and whether the terms were acceptable. So let me get this straight. Let me me get this, Marilee, straight. Is that something happens in your church, and you start getting these beep, 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 and you don't know what causes the beep, Uh beep, beep, and you bring somebody in, and they say, oh, this is an enunciator panel. And, of course, you don't deal with enunciator panels every day in your life. (laughs) You you don't know anything about this thing. Okay. (laughs) All right, and so now they tell you you're at the mercy of the vendor, who says, mm-hmm. ah, you can buy this service contract and it would include fixing your enunciated panel and you have this con- this maintenance contract for the next three, four, five, 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is. That's that's <laughs> what you're telling me. So that's what you're facing with. Exactly. Sign here on exactly. a dotted line for X dollars a year. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so I had no... Um way to judge whether this was a good agreement or a, or a decent term or a decent rate. So I called Felipe, and Felipe said, well, we don't, we have not done that yet in the CPA, but I can put you in touch with a couple of other members whose church facilities have, you know, recently undergone a review of both the, the uh, fire alarm system and their maintenance agreement. Marilee, hold on one second. Felipe, Felipe is yeah. the executive director of the Community Purchase Alliance. So now you have yes. a partner, a friend, or somebody you can call when you have this problem. So. Precisely. So Felipe immediately put me in touch 
with a gentleman who is at Calvary Baptist Church in D.C., and they have a much larger facility than ours, but he had, they had just recently undergone installation of a new system and, um, and also signed on to a maintenance agreement. So I was able to talk to him, basically tell him what our situation was, what the term of our uh, proposed maintenance agreement looked, um, was proposed, and also what, um, what the rate was. And as he compared in his mind, he was able to say, okay, I think compared to what we're paying and what you're proposing to pay, it sounds like you've got a decent deal. So it gave us the confidence to go ahead and sign that agreement because we definitely needed to get that work done, and we didn't have time to do our own, you know, um, search into who could other providers or other vendors out there, what could they offer us. We needed to commit and get that repair done immediately. So we had expertise kind of on demand, and I I see that as yet another big advantage of participation in the co-op. You call, you got someone who knows, and they've just been through the very same thing, and they can tell you, you know, what they learned in the process, and uh, it's expertise that we would not have had in-house. Information is power. Information gives you a lot of power. Marilee, I I just want to thank you for calling in and for giving people this information. You can get better pricing. You can save time. You have expertise. You get best practices, whether it is on trash collection or enunciator panels (laughs) or kilowatt hours. Okay? Exactly. And I got, you know, up, up until I started managing properties, I've very rarely dealt with kilowatt hours in my life. You just, and how much are you paying for it each month? It's something that the average everyday person doesn't deal with. So how do you get a better rate in kilowatt hours? Or you had talked about natural gas. So there's a, there's a sense that you're trying to, trying to make the environment better by what you're using too. Is that right? Correct. That, that is correct, and our current, now our current contract that we've signed has a percentage of renewable energy, which is something that we, as a church, as a faith-based group, uh, are very much committed to, um, to doing in that we want to take care of the earth. Um, God's gift to us is this wonderful planet, and how can we do our part to keep it alive and well and healthy? We Marilee, we have to take another break, and I don't want you to leave yet okay, either. No problem. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, we'll, We'll be right back to talk about renewable energy and saving the planet. (laughs) Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty WOL. Information is power. The National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program to give you information to have power in your life. NCB's mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. And more often than not, you find economically challenged communities in African-American communities, Latino-American communities, Native American communities, people of color. And so that's why I'm also very excited about this program to help bring information to communities that are economically challenged and a financial institution that was created by Congress in the in 1980s 
to help economically challenged communities. And they have a very tough job to make sure that when they give a loan to folks that perhaps did not have capital, the economically challenged communities, which most other banks would look for first, and may not have a lot, a lot of experience in running a business. But what they have found is that a lot of the co-ops don't fail. They don't fail because you have a group of people with different skills coming together, both learning how to run a business and working together to make that business successful so you don't have the failure rate of co-ops. So they do a very, very good job, and they, they have good good clientele. And, Marilee, you were talking about, which is the seventh principle of co-ops before we took a break, and that is concern for community. Right. Uh, and that was you talking about renewable energy and helping save our earth. Yes, and uh, as we, uh, as, as a church group, have got a very uh, committed and interested group of members who want to pursue uh, greater usage of renewable energy as we go forward. And so just recently, I'll just tell you another quick story. We gathered a group, that group together, to talk about were we a good candidate for for um, going into solar energy. Well, it turned out that we had a wonderful, knowledgeable person join us who, who knew very, you know, was very much an expert in the field. And he t- took a look at the placement of our facility. Well, and is he, is he a member of your church? He is not a member himself. He's No, he was a uh, he was a good friend of one of the members who okay. brought him in. Okay. And he looked at that, and he, we have a, a beautiful, beautiful church building, and it has a slate roof. Well, the slate roof does not lend itself well to installing uh, solar panels on it. And he took a look at our other access. You know, our parking lot is not large, so we couldn't put panels up there. So the short story, long story short, is that he said for us, solar energy probably isn't the best. Um, option, but he said um, you could explore geothermal, and there are there are great tax credits for going into renewable energy arrangements for, for churches and other institutions, in, especially in D.C. right now. So, once again, the Community Purchasing Alliance has been helpful in getting that conversation started. We're very much at the front end of it, but uh, we hope that we can gather together a group of members in the co-op who are interested in exploring geothermal. It's a different kind of renewable energy. It's a much, you know, longer-term investment. But that said, if we can find a group that can go together and once again share our expertise, pool our our purchasing power, and get some kind of a partner in the for-profit world to help us make that investment, that for us would be an outcome that we could never possibly accomplish just on our own. So we're very excited by exploring this process as we go forward and seeing if we can get to a point that we can really commit to almost 100% renewable energy. For us, that would be just a a, a wonderful outcome. Okay, so what is geothermal energy? Oh, goodness, I wish, if only I were an expert on that, Vernon, I could give you a long story, but geothermal... (laughs) Well, I I Googled it, okay, while you were talking, because I I assume I have an idea of what it is, but it says geothermal energy is the heat from the earth. Correct. It's clean and uh, sustainable. Yeah. So it is. And as I understand it, if you would dig down 10 feet into the earth, you will find a pretty um, constant temperature of about 55 degrees. And the devices that geothermal is based on, here I am talking about something of which I know nothing, so there's someone out there who's giggling. 
when they hear their story. But these devices for geothermal energy go into the earth, and then the water from your HVAC system is piped through that 55-degree temperature, which in the wintertime raises the temperature of the water to 55, so you only have to heat from 55 degrees up as opposed to from 32 degrees up. Or in the summertime, as your uh, air conditioning uh, system blows the water to that 55-degree temperature, it lowers it. So you're using the power of the earth to help, I don't know, modulate, if you will, the temperatures to which you either have to cool or to heat. And it's a, a very effective system. People are using it in their homes already. And uh, certainly larger institutions have invested in it. And it's... Uh, it is something that we hope achievable for us. Well, what's also interesting, Marilee, as you talk, I got that you became a leader in your church. And then by being a leader in your church, you are introduced to a lot of subjects you have had no knowledge that you had to, had to learn. But the Community Purchasing Alliance gives you people that have already gone through a lot of this so you can get knowledge that you, you can respect and know that they're not just sort of pulling your leg or you're going to have to pay a lot more money for it. You are so right, and you, couldn't, you, you put it better than I could have myself. It's very well said. So what, what I like about co-ops, which similar to churches, uh, mass, synagogues, you can bring people together. They work cooperatively, and that doesn't mean that there won't be disagreements. What cooperative working is that you learn how to solve your disagreements. You vote democratically, and whatever the vote is, then that's what everybody gets behind and do. And that's what works in a perfect world. Sometimes people don't like it when they don't get their way, but that's a whole other subject. So working cooperatively just means that you, you do things that's best for the community. And, and the other part of it is, that when you get a lot of people pitching in a little bit of money, tithing, or that, that you can do a lot of good with a little, uh, which I, I find fascinating uh, when, when I study my church, is how much good we can do when a few people will put in a small, when a, well, a lot of the people in the church will put in a, a small amount of money, how much good the church, the group can do. And that's what happens in a co-op. In the co-op, what the other part of it I like is this, this the, the third principle of member economic participation because what, what happens is, and I've seen this in affordable housing co-ops, is that at the end of the year, well, first people end up having normally paying a lower amount than if they were in an apartment building, but they can also get a dividend. And, and so there's wealth creation. You, you have control because it's democratic control. You have members' economic participation in a cooperative environment that is paying the rent. There's autonomy and independence, which is critical, that they have not only do they do they own it, but they also control it. Ed, the fifth yeah. principle is education, training, and information, and that's what we've talked a lot about. It's the different ways that you get information, that you get knowledge, and you get training. So it, whether it's a worker cooperative a housing co-op, in this case, a purchasing co-op, this purchasing alliance. And we've also talked about co-op. The sixth principle is cooperation among cooperatives. Ace Hardware, the local president, Gina Schaefer, she has nine stores in Baltimore and D.C. She and her husband own nine Ace Hardware stores. And that's why you would find that she's very friendly and easy, particularly working with other co-ops. 
That's part of the principles and the mission of co-ops. And the seventh principle is concern for community, whether it's the, the blueprint of how we're going to leave this for our children and grandchildren or, or the community, the church, or the community of the cooperative, how each of the members of the co-op are better off being a member of the co-op than they would have been on their own. Huh. I, I love this cooperative world. And I would love to find out how we can get more information to our elected officials about it so that they would put laws in place so that we can have more co-ops and they can work better and, like, put more funding. HUD spends most of their money to apartment buildings. And in the apartment building world, most of the people that own apartment buildings are rich people. And in the affordable housing and the uh, rental place in the affordable housing co-ops, the people that own it are the everyday people that live in it, and they get the benefits from it, and they also take better care of it. <laughs> it, it, just, it just seems to make more and more sense, Marilee, as I study this, as I get involved with it, in it, that more pe- more monies of our tax dollars would, should go into this co-op world uh, because everyday people, they are the ones that get the benefits one percent people, the one percenters that want to make the largest income, they right now get about sixty percent of the total income in the U.S. So that means that the ninety-nine percenters, me, now I don't know about you, you may be in a one percenters, you may have a billion-dollar network or more. Billion, billion, I said. <laughs> okay. Uh, but for most of us, we only have to share the forty percent of the overall income. So this co-op is a way that we can spread the wealth. And it's the only way that I have found in my 67-plus years here on this earth. And I really want to thank you. We are out of time. You're so welcome. My pleasure. And thanks for spreading the word. Thank you for joining in and for using the Community Purchasing Alliance and getting a lot of good for your church so that you can do more good with your dollars. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. We thank you for listening. If you have any questions at all about the community, Purchasing Alliance, you go on www.cpa.coop. Or you can email Felipe, F-E-L-I-P-E, at cpa.coop. Thank you, and have a wonderful, wonderful day, this snowy day. 1450 WOL.